notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Oh. You are on a podcast episode number 243. <laughs> <laughs> Chip, Chat, and Chill. Oh. This is a podcast <laughs> where filmmakers talk about filmmaking things and movies. Um, that's about it. Right? Right, yeah. Drew? Yeah. So it's me. I forgot to introduce myself <laughs> to the world. <laughs> Sonia Campbell. I work at Crown. Sonia? Fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> That's the way that, you know, Mike pronounces it. We got Mike Clark, our sound guy. Mick Clark. Nick. Nike. Du- Duarte. <laughs> he, what, who are you? Nick. I don't know. What do you do at Crown Chimp? Just cool stuff, man. That's Hang what I out thought. With my friends, make some movies, Cute. talk about things. And who's this guy over to my right? Dry. Hi, Dry. Hey. <laughs> Drew is a writer and producer of Crown Chimp. Listen, so, if all you seven people listening to this don't already know who we are, you accidentally stumbled into a podcast. That's the point is, we want new listenership. Oh yeah, eight people. Yes. <laughs> Welcome eighth. Uh, and wait, don't leave yet. We're uh, our subject is going to be our film festivals, script contests, competitions in general worth doing. Me, I say, fuck no. <laughs> no I'm just kidding. Um, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Let's let's talk about the topic of film festivals though, because we have definitely entered quite a lot of. Don't sigh heavily, Mike. <laughs> We've entered quite a lot of film festivals. Um, and I think we've grown more educated as to the purpose of film festivals, what to do, what not to do, and the reasons for entering them and, and why you should or should not. So, um, like, for instance, let's talk about our experience with Jay, which is a short documentary, um, which we entered into several film festivals through Without a Box. And um, our strategy is to try to get its premiere through one of the more more well-known and renowned um, Oscar, uh, what is the right word I'm looking for? Oscar Rivera? <laughs> or TV friends? No. Um, qualifying. Oscar qualifying film festivals for Jay. Um, what's it, can you talk more about like why we've chosen those particular film festivals as opposed to just anything, any festival. Yeah, I think it's, uh, well, just even going like the, the big topic of this episode. No, I'm going okay. to micro level. Okay. But like you said, it depends. It depends on what the project is. What are the goals of the project? Um, what are the goals for your individual career or the career of the team? Uh, so all of it just comes back to depends. Uh, <laughs> too easy I didn't I, uh, <laughs> he's so, not wearing his depends go ahead <laughs> but yeah with Jay one of the main goals of the project is to get it seen it by as many people as possible I mean in a lot of projects that's not the goal um, you know people say that's the goal but it's it's not and we've had projects like that as well but Jay being a documentary uh, with a larger stranger message was something that we just want to flat out get to as many people as possible and for us being able to premiere at a more known festival 
um, serves ultimately what the main goal is, which is the online release, and to be able to go into the online uh, release with that clout behind us and for people to take the project a little more seriously in a way to get it to stand out from from the crowd, um, you know, that's that's kind of important to be able to make that happen. Right. Uh, but the, the end all for us isn't premiering at one of these festivals. It's hopefully we do mm-hmm. um, and we'll see. But the ultimate goal is online. You just you reach so many more people there than you would ever in a small screen. So winning one of those festivals, you get more viewership online because of the fact that it won something major. Yeah, it just it's it's a uh, basically it's vetted, mm-hmm. you know, um, the project ahead of time. Right. So you can say, oh, this one at so and so or so in place and. Right. You know, all of a sudden, it has there's uh, there's more clout behind it. There's more interest behind mm-hmm. it as opposed to something that you just go straight online mm-hmm. with, and which just, we've also done and we're doing right now as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and just talking in general, what are, what are your opinions, Drew, about film festivals in general in terms of um, you know indie films entering them, um, what they're worth, the differences between them. I think it's worth whatever value you assign to it as a filmmaker. If you're in it to get in-person praise, it's a good place for you. If you're in it to get potentially an award, it's a good place. Um, If you're in it to get distribution, I don't know if it's necessarily the best place for you. Um, It's, for me, I don't really care. Um, because I care what a certain group of people think about me, very close people, and I care about if people pay me for stuff. So I guess I'm, I'm past the point of needing that tactile, like handshake and pat on the back, which I think is a big part, not necessarily bad about a film festival is to be able to show it up there and see it up there and be proud of it and have people, you know, see it and it's, it's a very, it, it's experiential praise instead of just a, you know, another award or, or a write-up or something like that. So I see, I definitely see the place for that if that's your thing. Um, other than that, speaking to screenwriting competitions and the other stuff, again, if... Not yet. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to say about film festivals that it does definitely... Um, come down to how prestigious they are and what your competition is because it, it's kind of silly to me unless you're real young and, and haven't been really, you know, around the block. But um, when you're like, my short film won the Tucson, Arizona Badass Film Festival and it's like five other entries. Like, I don't care. It's just goofy. It doesn't really say that the film is any good because you won some rinky-dink festival you know it's more impressive if you won like yeah i won uh you know my short one at sundance then i'd be like wow (laughs) but like if you win at like just some garbage festival and put it all over the place it just seems like because you know you didn't have hardly any competition doesn't mean that your film is good well i think there's a attitude of some people to go around collecting laurels and so you said that you did this or whatever um in terms of you know, the tangible reward of it, which, you know, I would look at it as it helped you get your next project finance or it helped you get considered to 
you know, be on this team for, you know, doing this television project or something else. But or basically... It made, made you feel good about making films. Yeah. It makes you want to continue to make films. Yeah, and I think in, in that sense, you know, there's a select few festivals that are great about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think are worth the uh, the dollar amount, but I also right. think a a lot is happening online, and you can get way more return on your investments by focusing energy on an online release and pursuing those career goals that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, though, what you said, what you just said, Drew, about um, you know feeling good and like being in a festival and having you know seeing it on the big screen like that, and it's yeah, like fun. that is very worth it. Like that is a great feeling to be in a a theater where you've seen, you know, some of your favorite films and to see your film up on that That's screen, true. that feels great. That's true. I remember um, working on a film, just like a five minute, seven minute piece where I did the special effects makeup and it was at the Arizona um, Film Festival, which, you know, not that big, but but hearing reactions to like the gross stuff in the movie was fun and it was a good experience and it did continue to help me want to do it. Um, also, also if you're into networking, that's a great place to network and meet other people. Yeah, when we we had a um, a DC Shorts, which is like the main mm-hmm. uh, U.S. Shorts or you know one of the top U.S. Shorts uh-huh. uh, festivals, and they cater completely to short films. Um, networking there was really great and like you get to be around people who are trying to do the same thing that you're doing and you can trade ideas and you know there's a pretty uh high level of quality right that so i think there's there's definitely um a place for it i think you just really have to look at what is your film what is the next step that you're trying to take in your own career and how does that work mike is like sighing like a sad dog (laughs) he's like can I go out in the pasture and be killed now? <laughs> um, let's talk about contests, script contests, and competitions. Um, so I've entered script contests um, before, and mainly, <laughs> okay, mainly it was because part of the package deal was to get feedback, which is what I was really interested in, and just to see what would happen. But the more I've looked at those script contests and seen how many there are, um, the less I want to enter them and the more I think they're just trying to get a ton of money as opposed to, you know, here's our prize, which is good, but think of all the money they're making as a company off of all their script contests. I'm not going to say particular places, but um, there's just been several that I've seen where I'm like, mm, it just seems like they're benefiting way more than any of the people entering into this contest. Um and, and also, there's so many different kinds that it's like, I, I have no clue which ones are actually prestigious when someone says, winner of the blah, blah, blah script contest, you know? I'm like, well, I've never heard of it. You know, if it's regional or something, it's like, well, I guess that impresses somebody. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like it's pretty similar to film festivals, too. I, mean, I, I think there's probably more um, uh, kind of predatory business practices with uh, the screenplay competitions because it's just it's easier to run mm-hmm. um, you know you don't need a lot and you just need people's buy-in but the ones that are legit they give you a little bit of cash they get your script in front of some people that uh, might be sincerely interested that have the ability to you know move the project forward so mm-hmm. yeah I think it's like film festivals where you have this this handful that it's absolutely worth it. That's great. And then 
you have a whole bunch of garbage, like just right below it. Yeah. That, yeah. Kind of have to do your homework on these things, you yeah. know, and, and actually. And homework on who the judges are and when right. they say like, okay, you'll get screened by execs. And yeah. It's like, okay. Well, it's, it's not and, really hard to say that. And also read the fine print. Like I think you might've seen the one that I shared recently. It sounded great. But then when you read what actually happens, you, you still had to raise most of the funds for your movie, even though the prize was, we'll give you $20,000 if you win this, this contest, you still had to raise the majority of money um, before you even got that prize. So it was just kind of like, oh, you're trying to get this crowdfunding website off the ground is what you're trying to do. So you, you got to see what the hidden motivations are with some of these festivals and contests. Also be aware of what you're signing. Yeah. Uh, as far as IP. Because... Is IP intellectual uh, property? Yeah. If you... There's advertising sites that do this pro probably more prolifically than script sites, but once you send them something, it's theirs. Mm -hmm. If you enter this contest, you send away the rights to it. So just be aware you're not doing that with your script, or, <laughs> or especially your pitch. If you just have, if it's something that you have a great idea, or you have the first act or something, be, be careful can, who sees that. Can they do that even if you have registered it? I don't know. Probably. Hmm. I, I would imagine you signing over your rights trumps that, but... Um, and the other thing is, I think they're great if you want third-party verification. Uh -huh. If you've gone through your friend group and people you know and industry people you know and you want someone else to go, this is good or this is this, here's what you should do. Um, I think they're good. If, if, if you want third-party verification from industry people, just like, email me. I'll do it for you, everyone. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you if it's good or not and then save you $35 or $75 or anything. For free? Sure. I love reading I love reading stuff, even if it's if it's your first script or your... You heard it here, folks. <laughs> D-G-R-U-B-I-C-H at crownchimp.com. Yeah. Come at me. Come at me. You just have to sign away your rights to everything. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, son. Yeah. Our ploy has been discovered. Well, I'm tired of this subject, so I'm going to go on to the next one. Yeah. Um, let's talk about individual writing and editing processes. So, well, this is a little bit similar to one we talked about, a subject we talked about before, which is coming up with story ideas. But then the next step is the process of writing. So um, I don't know if you guys want to talk about what it's like to work as a team collaboration in writing. Or what you know, that's or if you want to talk about individual writing, I mean, you mostly work as a team. So, what is your process with, for instance, with writing, um, uh, the Where the Sun Goes to Die, the short film? Um, yeah, I think it's interesting because Drew and I both we write separately as well, and we have our own styles and approaches to writing. And then over the last eight years, we've developed our own way of working together as writers. Um, but typically, you know, I think what happens is one of us will come to the other with kind of a broad, very broad idea, just a couple of notes, a uh, loose idea, and then we'll start toying around with it, bouncing ideas back and forth, collecting ideas uh, until we get to a place that we'll sit down and we'll say, okay, what is this thing actually about? And eventually we turn that into an outline, and then from that outline... Uh, one of us will take the first draft and then hand it over, and then the other one will take the second draft, and then we'll come back together and we'll go through the third draft together. Um, 
that's I mean, Drew, does that sound about right? To yeah, you're, you're right. That's the that's the nuts and bolts of it. I think the more interesting part is is how how do we conceive of these things and how do we start? What is the start of the process? Mm-hmm. And I think the, the times we've been the most effective is well, from from my end is if I think of something and I can't think of the answer, then I'll talk to you about it and and working through that whether it's a a moral conundrum or a, a situation that, a hypothetical situation but fish hook was a good example of that as I was sitting around thinking like what would actually drive me to physical violence like what would happen what could somebody say or do and I couldn't really think of anything outside of self-defense so we had a long conversation about it and said well you know if somebody hurt my, my family somebody hurt my brother I would I would attack them and then that's where the idea for it and the script for it came and so I think that there's a, there's a very powerful thing, especially when you have a partner, of things that you genuinely can't figure out and you genuinely don't know and then get an understanding of, of not to be sappy, but get an understanding of yourself and get an understanding of, of kind of the world around you and hopefully someone sees that and gets an insight into, into themselves or into you or into another facet of humanity that people wouldn't normally see. I feel like you just had a bunch of people toasting to you that entire time. <laughs> Clink. Is that, is that good? Or? There's people washing the dishes out around here. Um, no, I don't know. They're oh. cheering you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you're talking about editing processes, do you mean actually editing film footage or rewriting a script? I think both. Okay. Yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit about uh, rewriting? This, is, this could be a whole topic in and of itself. Um, there's entire books that are just about rewriting. There's different methods about rewriting. Um, you know, it's typical to rewrite a script maybe dozens of times. Um, I thought it was funny when I had a quick interview with Alex Cox, the director from Repo Man, um, that he didn't rewrite at all. <laughs> he just wrote the script and went from there. But he did say that it, he it would probably be better if he had gone through and rewrote um, uh, and you know, with any kind of art, it's hard to stop sometimes and know when to stop rewriting, <laughs> but, um, what's your typical process, um, with rewriting? Do you have one thing that you always do when you're setting off on a rewrite? I think the most important part of rewriting is creating distance. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, when I was talking about us trading drafts, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so say for instance, I take the first draft and then Drew takes the second. It's he's writing on ideas that we came up with together and outlines and scenes we came up together with, but he's taking that draft completely with fresh eyes. And then vice versa, when I get a draft that he worked on, I can, you know, my ideas are buried in there mixed with his ideas, but I can approach it, uh, approach it freshly. And same thing like on projects that. Uh, you know, that I've written on my own, it's the same sort of idea. I just need to get as much distance. Um, that can be time distance, emotional distance, whatever it is, creative distance. You just need to get away from it so you can look at it as if it was somebody else's script. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of clear out the sentimental attachment to it. It's fun too, because when you give it that distance and come back and read it again, it's really, uh, it's kind of cool to see like, 
wow, I forgot something really important. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you see things where you never saw that at all the first times riding through it, um, you know, back to back. Also, that's why I think like the feedback process is so important too. And that's a yeah. really great way to kind of create that distance. Right. Uh, is you, you have to have other people look at it and give you notes. Mm-hmm. People that are, you know, reliable sure. can give you notes on it. And get a variety of different people too. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, with before I started my most current rewrite, I got notes from just like like basically three levels of people, you know, from all from you guys um, and then from people I didn't know that were, um, you know, that I paid professional script analysis mm-hmm. um, services. And then there were people who I just knew liked films and, and enjoyed horror and they wanted to read it and to give me their feedback. So it was like, you know, maybe people didn't know about filmmaking, people that did, and then industry people who read scripts all the time. So the, the combination of feedback was super helpful. And I like getting stuff, like as far as writing, I want to have a bunch of critique mm-hmm. so that I can absorb that. And it you have to absorb it, but it doesn't like, for me at least, it, I'll fight it initially. And then, like you said, give it time, let it soak in. And then I start to see like, all these common notes say the exact same thing. So I really need to address this note somehow. Um, so Drew, in terms of rewriting, like, do you even think of it as rewriting or it's just, I'm crafting this? Um, I used to, to hate rewriting. Um, I, to the point where I wouldn't edit or proofread or, and it just, I would just vomit all this stuff out <laughs> at Nick. And and he, to to his, to his accolade, uh, to his children screaming. Oh. Um, <laughs> so it speaks to Nick's patience and ability that he could wade through all this, all this detritus and find little nuggets of gold and nurture them. But as as we've progressed and gotten gotten better, I hope um, at writing, I learned that. That rewriting is like, like red wine or jalapenos or monogamy. It's just one of those things that <laughs> no one actually likes. But you learn. I to, fucking love jalapenos. You learn to pretend <laughs> to like it. So, um, um, Nick, you and I have talked about the editing process before. We have. No. Yeah, we have. Okay. Because I said I would be, like be interested in doing editing, and then I dropped the ball. Oh yeah. <laughs> now he remembers. <laughs> identified something negative it tricked his memory mm-hmm. all right um so but i mean do you follow the same process every time i guess you have to uh with editing right <laughs> you have to you have to why would you not do the same steps what's your typical process um yeah you should do the same steps every single time <laughs> well because well yeah and any, anytime that you can do you can create routine sure like, i really believe Good creativity, good artistry comes out of routine well, and discipline. And so I think that's an important part of editing is that you're not getting in the weeds on stupid technical bullshit. Right. So um, so let's say, you know, you have your technical processes that have right. to be done every time. When you actually get into shaping the story, though, what kind of thoughts do you go through? Like, what are you looking for? And, and do you always know what you're going to come up with when you're editing a story? Yeah, typically. So... Um, 
On a project that has like a script attached to it, you know, mm -hmm. once you go through all the prep stuff, sound sync, organizing footage, labels, all that stuff, uh, pull in, pull in your selects. And the main goal there is what are the moments that are interesting to me that are telling the story in an interesting way? What are those happy accidents I didn't realize or did realize? Mm -hmm. uh, and then trying to create an assembly to that script. And once you do that, that's kind of like the first draft of mm -hmm. like a like a written script. Um, that first cut, you look at it and you say, oh, this thing that we wrote doesn't quite play the same way now um, because of all the different mm -hmm. factors and influences when you go sure. through shooting. Um, and you realize that maybe the thing that you wrote is actually about something else or there's something going on there. And then it becomes really similar to the rewriting process mm -hmm. of, trying to create distance in between cuts, trying to explore different things in cuts, um, moving things around, realizing that, you know, close up here creates that extra sense of empathy and reason for caring about that character. And, you know, do we want that so early or do we not want that so early? Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of it becomes experimenting and trying to get a sense of what is the thing you're making. And once you really latch in on that, then it becomes a process of just honing it in and tightening it and trying to strip away the stuff mm -hmm. that distracts from your core message. Have you guys, uh, can you think of any films that you've seen where you thought like, if only they had edited, edited this better, it could have been a good film? <laughs> because I know I've seen director's cuts of films that are like completely different from the theatrical version. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's tough because mm -hmm. like I think you can definitely do it with like director's cuts because then you can be like, oh, that's what they mm -hmm. had. With other films, it's hard to say because it's yeah. you don't know what else was shot. Right. In that, yeah. Yeah, you can go different directions. Like um, I know with Blade Runner, the original time, the first time I saw it was the director's cut. I didn't know. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I had no idea. and I was like, this is badass. Uh -huh. And I was a kid, um, then I saw it years later, and I was like, why the fuck is he talking <laughs> like a detective all film noir over the top of it? I don't need this shit explained to me. Yeah. And it pissed me off, and I hate the theatrical version, because I find it just dumbs the whole movie down. Yeah. It loses the, the cool sci-fi feel to it. But what about you, Drew? Any thoughts on editing process or films that you've seen where director's cut is more interesting? Tick. Um, as far as director's cut, I think the Lord of the Rings movies is a really good example of that. Even though it's some absurd amount, like sixteen <laughs> hours long, that you, you I didn't know that. Did like all three of them together? It's really? Not really. Maybe close to it's that. Maybe like eight or eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. it's it's wow. pretty, it's an absurd lot. amount. If you all three movies together, it's just. Um, it's, it's way different than, than the theatrical version, um, and I think hmm. way better. Yeah. That's, that's just simply a, a matter of uh, having to be economical about theaters. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't have a theater right. for that long <laughs> for one movie ticket. Um, <laughs> and the editing process, to me, is kind of like, like waiting in line for a water slide, which is, like, <laughs> I know there's something cool and fun at the end. <laughs> But the rest of it, I just, uh, I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> Is it too much technical stuff for you? Uh, I mean, edit, I've done only a little bit, and it's just like, it, hour, it's like you're in a time warp. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fairly technical, uh, mm -hmm. computer-wise, but it's it's just, I, I commend them, editors, for their 
attention and their patience. Focus. Yeah. And patience. Yeah. And they're just they're, hours of looking at the same little tiny bits. Yes. <laughs> and, and they're, you know the minutia I mean? and how much difference it makes in the overall is, is I'm, I'm always very <laughs> impressed by skill sets I don't have and being right. able to just look at one, you know, a couple frames later that this cut happens and it changes the, the entire mood of, of this scene or this beat. Sure. And watching uh, Nick cut mood reels, uh-huh. I think it, that's about as much time as I can stand to watch editing. <laughs> but it's, it's really, really interesting. It's really yeah. profound. And I like seeing the end result. And we're fortunate enough that since we kind of run the through line for the whole process, we can make the, mm-hmm. the front end and the back end meet up mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle, ass to ass. <laughs> <laughs> Like Requiem for a Dream? Yeah. Cute. One of my favorite movies ever. I bet it is. Great it's editing. great. It's a great movie. Great yeah. editing, too. Um, how long would you say it takes to edit a, like a mood reel or um, a real piece? Like how many hours to get two minutes? Um, mood reels. <laughs> um, <laughs> six minutes in the parking lot of HBO. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. But, um, <laughs> Are we talking about mood reels? Yeah, yeah. Uh, back, we, had, we had a pitch and we hadn't. Oh, you Nick, hadn't. Nick hadn't done the mood reel or what was the situation? It was, it was where a weird time crunch thing, and we thought we should have this done quickly. It was I poor see. planning on yeah. our part. Yeah, so we did it on the drive over from like our Airbnb to the HBO office. Wow. Yeah, and then we went in and he ended up shooting down both of our ideas in the first ninety <laughs> seconds, and then we talked about stuff for like stuff for like. <laughs> Other things um, you didn't have mood reels for. <laughs> yeah, so mood reels, uh, you know, you can cut them relatively quickly. I would say, like, the ideal time mm-hmm. is maybe six to ten hours. Because, mm-hmm. uh, well, a good chunk of it is collecting footage. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you have to just pull all the stuff that you want for it and all that. So that takes up yeah. the most amount of time. Right. Um, the last one I did was for Sun. That, that took a fair amount of time just trying to find the route to go. Um other projects, mm-hmm. you know, it varies. Like, the actual, like, promotional reels of artwork, cut mm-hmm. that together pretty quickly. Yeah, because you kind of have you already your, know it yeah. already. Yeah, you know the direction that it's going. Um, and then commercials, those cut together usually pretty fast. It depends if it's, like, a lifestyle piece, which we do a lot of that. Uh, uh, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that of. A lot of that of. You're just going around and you're searching for those moments. So that takes a little bit longer versus like a comedy piece that cuts it together mm-hmm. pretty quickly. And Get just the punchline. options. Shorts. You know, Fishhook actually cut that pretty quickly. Say Trouble, the one that we're about to release. I spent a lot of time... Um, Matt worked on that for a little bit too. Uh, Editing the whole piece. Yeah, because yeah. it, it just it, it kind of goes back to the rewriting thing. Like if you if you don't do your rewrites on the script, you will do your rewrites in the edit. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what, though, you're going to have to go through that process. Yeah, you have to go through different iterations of it to get to where you need. So the the script versus the final cut of Trouble Will Find Her are two very different uh, things. Mm-hmm. I think. The J project, that's probably the biggest uh, change in editing from what we thought we were going to do to where we ended up with. <laughs> hey, can we start calling the first cut of things the bris? Yeah. The, the brisk? The bris? Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. Cool. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that's where they got the leftovers from that title. What? I'm just kidding. Oh. Doesn't make any sense. 
Um, so, does anybody watch The Leftovers, by the way? I watched the first couple episodes. Oh, I a couple watched. episodes? Not even seasons? No. Hmm. Okay. I, I really like Leftovers. I know. Do you want the rest of the pizza that Nick didn't eat? A little waste. You poured ranch all over it. That's, Ooh, now I really that's want it. That's ranch not ranch. <laughs> so, you know, tying writing and editing together, it's, it's a pretty, like when you're talking about like um, writer's block, one good thing to remember is that from the, the moment you finish your script and you're happy with it, done with it, ready to send it out, it's going to go through so many different reiterations with all the different people that are probably going to be involved, including down to the editor. So it kind of is just like you, you should just sort of have a, this is my idea and I'm just going to write it how I want it to be. And knowing that I don't have 100% control over it in the end, you know, it kind of helps just kind of go, this is... What I'm going to do, it will change eventually to become something hopefully better through everyone's input, through the way the director cuts it, the way the actors interpret it. You know, like you kind of don't have 100, you don't have 100% control as the writer most of the time. Uh, so, I mean, you know, there's no position where you have 100% yeah, control. Yeah, yeah. No, know, I mean, like, true. as someone who writes, directs, and edits, you still, at best, have 50% control. Like, right. you can't do the acting, you... Sure can't control all of the weird random bullshit that might happen the location that falls out on you uh-huh. um, i think perfectionism is such a terrible terrible yeah. thing uh to happen in any art right. form like it just it just it becomes debilitating and it becomes an excuse for not wanting to put your work out there because you're trying to make it perfect right make it as good as it can be mm-hmm. you know be um diligent about it but mm-hmm. Sure, there's very few people in the whole world that have 100% control of their films and then that they're still good films. Yeah. And we know their names, their household names. But, you know... But even those people, I mean, they you just cannot have a complete control, even if, mm-hmm. like, there's just outside forces. There's things that... Yeah, but I, I would say do. then they have most they of have the control. They have as much control as you possibly <laughs> Input can. on everything. Yeah. Input on everything when you're a writer-director and you cho- get to choose everybody to work with and you've gotten that much clout. Yeah. Um, but you know, whoever gets there, not us yet. Right, Nick. (laughs) Um, so, you know, I wanted to say something else about the, um, spec script versus the shooting script. Um, because I'm in one of these like Facebook groups where people talk a lot about screenwriting. It's the Aaron Sorkin, uh, Facebook group. And there's people of all different experience levels in the group. And this guy, um, or somebody asked a question about how much direction should I put in my spec script, um, like camera direction. And most people said pretty much none um, if you're writing a spec script that you want people to read. You know, it's one thing if you're going to be shooting the script and you can write it however you want, but she was talking about I'm going to be sending it out for people to read. Except one guy was like, you know, it's it's industry standard to put in these particular, you know, ways of writing. He was really talking about a shooting script. So, you know, I got into a little squabble with this dude because he thought it was wrong the way that I would describe a scene as opposed to how he would describe a scene, saying, well, on the day of, the cameraman's going to know that you're going from the bedroom to the living room and you need to have the two different scenes with slug lines. And I was like, no, that's not the way I want to write it. I want to write it for a reader who's going to be, who's just going to be like, he walks into the living room, living room, without a slug line. So, um, 
I want to talk about like kind of formatting of scripts when you're writing, when the two of you are writing the formatting side of a script, are you thinking a lot about camera direction or are you thinking more about story or is it different for you as a director where you're thinking about both equally? Well, I think it's important to remember that they're two different mediums. Like your a script is it's words on a page. That's a medium that is being used to inform what the next step is, which is images captured on camera. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to get that direct one to one. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it's a mix. Like I'll mm-hmm. I'll write down visual ideas and like notes about performance as we're going. Um, but I, I don't think it's as um, compartmentalized as that. I think there's tendencies we have. Yeah, It's changed more throughout the years that I will actually say camera directions or scene directions or frame stuff. Yeah. But I used to write from an actor's standpoint, either as an actor or a magical fairy uh, magical, whimsical forest fairy in, in <laughs> prose. And I kind of turned both of those down to be a more utilitous um, way to write. And I think that, that we've kind of got on the same page of, of the right amount of, of whimsy and practicality. Um, we'll say one thing to, to the earlier point about um, about selling the script in the, or the script going through multiple stages. Mm-hmm. Like any one of those stages can totally fuck it up. So be ready for that. What's an example? <laughs> um, I saw a feature years ago. Nick uh, was laughing. I know this knows right. where this is going. Um, sold a feature years ago, and I'll just give you the moral of the story, is if you're going to sell something you've written, don't watch it get made. <laughs> Either have creative control or have zero control. And, and let it go. And get away from it. Because <laughs> every step of the way, there's potential to make it better or to make it an absolute flaming train wreck. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. Just, <laughs> just, take, just take your money and go yeah. buy bitcoins. I could see that. You know, like if anybody ever wanted to buy something I wrote, it would be like a weird struggle. Like, well, hell yeah, I'll take this check. And on the other hand, if it's something I invested a lot of time in and I believe in like my vision of the concept, that would be so hard to yeah. just hand over not even knowing what's going to happen from there on out, having no control over it. And we're spoiled because we know that our core group isn't, yeah, I'm gonna totally fuck it, or fuck it up in the way that we want it. Right, uh, right. So. We all have a, an idea of what, or I, you know, or what our story, how they should come out, how our story should yeah. be. We all kind of have. Um, I, I think we all have each other's backs, but yeah, that would be really strange to just be like, "Here you go, people I've never talked to or heard of." Like, who knows how they're interpreting those ideas? You know. So, um, yeah. That's all I got on this subject. What oh. about you? <laughs> uh, also, fuck that guy that uh, you got into that squabble with. Yeah, I think anybody that says like this is the way it has to be done, get the fuck out of here. Man. Was he seventy? Yeah, probably. He reminded me of that dude on movie set memes that we would get really pissed off about. Um, I forgot his name, but he sucks. Are, are you guys on movie set memes? No. Oh. I didn't know what it is. I thought you would definitely be on it, Mike. You're famous on it, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you are a famous movie set meme that I've made. And people shared it, like, not knowing where it came from. Uh-huh. People have posted memes of you 
sound guy. no idea, like, who you are. Same or... with you, Nick. Yeah. Me and you are both kind of yeah. meme famous. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a good, like, 15% of the people on that page, just with any page in the whole world, where, oh, fuck. Mike just brought out his pocket knife. He's going to do it. <laughs> he's going to cut me. Where you just get so f- just annoyed by everything they say because they have like a completely different idea of movie yeah. making than you That's do. That's the internet. Yeah, exactly. That's the internet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but our qualm with that guy was that he thought everything was exactly his experiences. And if you didn't do it, the same way he knew it and experienced it, then you're stupid or an amateur or whatever. Um, like he was saying, like the writer is the most important person when making a film, the most important person. Because if you don't have a story, you don't have a movie. What if you have shitty actors? <laughs> right? Yeah, I would say acting is probably the most important. <laughs> you can have a garbage script and great actors, and it's a pretty good movie. You can't have a great script and shitty actors. It would just look like shitty. You yeah. can't have anything shitty to have a good movie. Well, I mean, you could. Mm-hmm. Okay. But but the, there's no one most important person. It's a uh, team collaboration. No, I, don't do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like if, if I had to put a hierarchy on anything, I would say acting is... Oh, sure, you could that, put a hierarchy on things. Yeah. thing that like a person sees a person on screen. Mm-hmm. I'm a human being. I've interacted with human beings in life. I know what's false and what's true. I see it on screen, and you just innately have a sense of when something isn't right uh-huh. and when something is off, and that yeah. can totally throw the entire thing. Um, yeah, casting is part yeah. of you know choosing the right actors, is part of having the right dialogue, is part of how the director... Uh, directs the actor. Sometimes I've seen great actors do terrible jobs yeah. because the director didn't know how to handle them. I guess the other way around. I, I feel like that's that's probably the category that has the most influence on everything else. Around you think it. so? Yeah, I think if you if yeah. you have good acting, that's going to make shooting it so much easier, so much stronger. Mm-hmm. It's going to make editing better. It's going to make the words that were written better. We've all seen bad movies with great actors, Boondock Saints, but the, you know that's happened a lot. You haven't seen any great actors in shitty movies? I've never seen a movie before. <laughs> I'm blind. <laughs> I'm mute. Oh. You know. I think we're done. Okay. I think I think I've successfully made my point. Oh. Big chimpin. Ninety six. Okay, you can cut, Mike.